you do like a little, almost like a little skit intro? What do you want? Just something like, I'm Ollie Proudlock, we're on the Take Flight podcast. Hey, I'm Ollie Proudlock and welcome to the Take Flight podcast. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, and welcome to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle, where we speak to inspiring guests to hear their inspiring stories with the aim of motivating you to take action on your own goals and move closer to doing the things you're really passionate about. We've had some unbelievable guests the last few episodes from real life hero, Flight Lieutenant Nathan Jones, who saved 200 lives midway through a flight to Afghanistan and since competed in the Invictus Games as the captain of Team GB, winning a number of medals to Hugh Duffy who left his job as a barista in Tap Coffee to build their Sandow's Cold Brew Coffee Company. Four years later they've just got into Sainsbury's which is huge and most recently Chris Wiles ex-professional rugby player for Saracens where he won too many trophies to count but has recently retired and is absolutely killing it with his company Wolfpack Lager that he co-founded with ex-Saracens captain Alistair Hargreaves. All those episodes are available now so you can go and listen to those too. But this week is no different. We have an incredibly exciting guest. I can't wait to share this with you. The guest for episode 18 of the Take Flight podcast is none other than Oliver Proudlock. Ollie is an entrepreneur, fashion designer, model, influencer and reality TV star. From building his clothing company, Serge Denims, to featuring in 10 seasons of Made in Chelsea, it's fair to say that Ollie is absolutely killing it and fits the bill of a high performer on so many levels. We talk about what it took to build Surge, the traits of somebody who's successful, and also get pretty deep on some life advice and ways to find happiness day to day, something I know that I'm trying to get better at and a topic of conversation I just love having anyway. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with Ollie. He's such a positive, inspiring guy, and I hope his energy rubs off on you guys as much as it did with me. And just a massive thank you to Ollie for doing it in the first place. I loved talking to him and he shares so much great advice. I know I'll be listening to this a number of times myself. You can follow Ollie at Proudlock on Instagram and at Oliver Proudlock on YouTube where he has some exciting projects coming up on his YouTube channel, which we didn't actually get into too much, but subscribe to his channel and you'll see all those upcoming projects. And you can follow me at WhittleTakeFlight on Instagram, flight spelled F-L-1-G-H-T, where I post all new episodes, book suggestions and and books that I'm reading, and other advice on habits, routines, other things I'm trying out. As I record this intro, I'm sat in my hotel room in San Francisco. I've got two unreal guests coming on the show that are going to be the next couple of episodes coming up. So you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and you'll get notifications when those are out. And if you listen to this chat and enjoy it, I'd love it if you could screenshot the episode, post it on your Instagram story, tag me and Proudlock, let us know that you're listening and which bits you're enjoying. That's way too much chat from me. Let's get into the episode with the one and only, super inspiring, super motivational and really intelligent and insightful, Oliver Proudlock. Enjoy. Ollie Proudlock. Yes, brother. Welcome to the Take Flight Podcast, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a, we've been planning this for a while and I feel bad, you know, I think we've both been pretty busy just trying to get our schedules to intertwine, but we've finally made it happen. We're making it happen, mate. It's going to be magical. We're making it happen, man. I'm excited. I'm excited, mate. So I don't know if you remember when I, when I sent you the email first time round, we have actually met 
a little while ago. I think it was like maybe three or four years ago. Yeah, where was that again? It was um, in your pop-up store in Carnaby Street. Yes, dude, that was actually, funny enough, so we've done loads of pop-up stores over the years. We try and do, you know, one a year at least because, you know, a lot of our business is, it's online and, you know, through social media and that's how we kind of connect with our community. But um, we try and do one pop-up a year where we can obviously bring everything to life and, you know, meet some of the people who follow us. And uh, that, to date, is definitely the, my favourite pop-up that we've done, the one yeah. on Carnaby Street. Such a good spot, isn't it? It was great, man. It was really, really cool. And we collaborated with some other brands. And I remember the store was called Head to Toe. So I remember we had a shoe brand. Uh, we had, I think, swim shorts. We had sunglasses. Then we had our stuff. So it was like a real, you know, if you were a guy, you could cruise in there and you could, yeah. you could get anything you wanted. Mate, that's what I thought when I went in there. I picked up a couple of things when I was there. What did you pick up? I picked up, it was like a black scoop tee. Yes, man, the, the scoop. Yeah, with the Long SDN. line. Yes, yeah, mate, classic. And then it was a white uh, vest with the cross and yes. the flowers on it. SDN. Yeah, oh, the flower one, yeah, 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 with yeah. the SDN, LDN. Yeah. yeah, man, that's solid. Yeah, very good picks. Mate, I know. Yeah. I, was, I was very happy. <laughs> but yeah, mate, I remember thinking, like, I met you, I probably spoke to you for, like, maybe five, six minutes. Yeah. And there was loads of people there, and I just thought, like, you had so much time for everyone, oh, including myself. It, and I was just like, when I started this podcast, I was like, I'd love to get you on, because... Oh, man, thank you, brother. Yeah. No, it means a lot, man. And it's, you know, it's been a crazy journey with Serge. And obviously, June 1st this year was our seventh birthday, which is pretty insane, man, to think. So good. You know, I'm, I'm you know... Fashion is super, super hard. It's a really hard industry to um, to kind of make it and, and, you know, last time. You know, I think when we got to five years, that was a really big moment for us. And it's funny, I was speaking to you earlier about this. You know, I think with whether it's fashion or music or whatever it might be, you know, you've got to try and find your niche. Mm -hmm. You've got to try and find something that is slightly unique and, you know, is really going to make people take notice, you know. And I think it's actually taken us like, you know, seven years to get to the point where we are now, where we're really focusing on the jewelry as well as still doing the clothes. But finally now, you know, there's this buzz and there's this real yeah. feeling that people are really taking notice, which is exciting. Yeah, but that's great, man. That's such a good message because it doesn't happen on day one, does it? It doesn't, man. And do you know what? When you set it up, I remember, you know, my original plan, you know, when I set it up, it was a small collection of T-shirts. We had 12 tees and... You know, the plan was, you know, to start with T-shirts, you know, do a bit of jersey, do the tees, sweats, all this sort of stuff, and then move into denim. You know, obviously, that's why I called it Serge Denim. Yeah. And, you know, that, that did happen. Obviously, we, we do denim now. We've got the denim jackets. We do some denim accessories. But, you know, I, I found over time, you know, denim's a very, it's a hard material to work with. And, and people are very loyal with their denim, right? So I'm not trying to compete with some of these big denim brands, right? But for us, you know, we're about being sort of exclusive. And, you know, with all our denim pieces, we only do 50 of each. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been a roller coaster along the way. And as you go, you learn and you see what works, you see what doesn't work. You know, often you learn from your mistakes, not just in business, but in life. And now, you know, we've got we've gone through this path. And now, you know, the jewelry is is a real major focus for us. And that is, I would say, our niche. Yeah, man, I'm excited to see what else you guys are doing. It's super exciting, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah and love that. We're sat in your office at the minute and there's a, a very nice denim jacket. Dude, yeah, so that, so those actually, those wooden frames, when we do our pop-ups, we, um, we collaborate with a lot of creatives. And I had a friend of mine who's a carpenter and he actually made those, um, those frames, the wooden frames there. 
and that denim jacket, we did 50 of those, and I got an amazing artist, a guy called um, Adam Claridge, and we customized some of the, the denim pieces. Nice. Um, which is a nice thing for people as well, you know, to feel like they've got a one-off. Yeah. And again, you know, for us, it's, it's so important to connect with our customer. Yeah. And by doing little things like that, it's, you know, a way of really, really connecting. Yeah, that exclusivity is a nice thing as well. Yeah, like, man. There's brands that put on, like, if it was a 50, for example, you'd put on, like, one of 50, yeah. two of 50, and, like, the label and stuff, and I think that's a nice thing. Yeah, man, for sure, dude. Because I think, you know, there's so many brands out there. You know, a lot of people buy on the high street, and, you know, you could be wearing a jacket, and you could see two guys, as you cruise down yeah. that street, wearing the same jacket, <laughs> right? Looking at my Reese jacket. Yeah, right I mean, like, damn, man, I shouldn't have worn this jacket today. Um, whereas, at least with ours, man, you know, it, it, that's not really going to happen. Yeah. Which is nice. As a matter, I want to talk a little bit more about Serge later yeah. on. Just to start off with some generic questions about yourself. So you're an entrepreneur, designer, model, influencer, and what some people know you as is a reality TV star. Mm-hmm. Which of these do you most identify yourself with? Um, you know, for me, for me, you know, Serge is my baby, right? Yeah. You know, and I had that a long time before doing the show and, you know, this word influencer, I hate that word, but, you know, over time, I guess I have become, I slightly influence people, hopefully in a positive way. But first and foremost, I would say I'm a designer. Yeah. You know, and above everything, I would say a creative. You know, when I was a kid, it was always art and fashion. And actually, I specialized in art. So I was always painting. I was one of those cats at school who's just always in the art school. And for me, man, I just loved it. And I, you know, from the age of maybe 15, I started having exhibitions. And that was how I kind of, you know, survived. Because when I was 16, my dad, you know, was like, okay, I'm not going to give you any more money right now. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I need to find a focus. So for me, it was it was painting. So, you know, I started having exhibitions. And I remember that feeling when you sold your first painting. I was like, oh, man, this is insane. I'm doing something that I love. And potentially this could be a career in the future. And then as time went on, you know, I went to St. Martin's, did my foundation there, went on to Newcastle, did a BA in fine art. So, you know, I was doing a lot of time and spending a lot of time in the studio painting and painting. But it wasn't until I came back, that's when I realized I loved painting. But the problem was it's it's quite a lonely existence. You kind of you're stuck in your studio and you, you get stuck in your mind. And I need to be in a place where I'm bouncing off people. Yeah. Right. And you're connecting and, you know, you feel like you're part of a community which is another thing which is super important for Serge. And that's when I moved into fashion, man. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, designer, yeah, but I would say creative. Okay. Are you still painting now? Do you know what? I haven't painted in so long, man. Um, and and my, my fiancé and I, we just bought a house. Um, so she's kind of pushing me. She's like, look, I really want some, some new art in the house. Yeah. So I, if I can find the time. The yeah. problem is, is time. And, I, you know, with painting, it's, uh, it's not something that just happens overnight. But the whole creative process is something that's, well, generally brings people happiness. Where, where, yeah. Wherever you find that, it sounds like painting's obviously your muse. Oh, for sure, man. You know, for me, I, I still see myself as, you know, rather than painting on a canvas, I'm, you know, I'm painting on, on clothes, on tees and with jewellery. It's, it's very much a similar thing, but it's just a different sort of medium. Yeah. And for me, man, I just love it. I just get a buzz off, off being creative. What, what would you say, like, percentage-wise, is the stuff that you've designed of Serge? Uh, is, is in the stuff in the collection yeah uh, all of it really yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome man. yeah I that's my why. favorite part that's my favorite part of the business yeah you know I love all the day to day and you know obviously seven years ago when I set the business up I, I made sure that I knew every part of it obviously I was the only person then 
you know, we still got a small tight team. There's only five of us in here. So I, I make sure that I know every part. But for me, the most exciting part is is the designing, the creative. Mate, that's, that's my bad because I, I don't know why, but I just assume that maybe you have like a hand in it. You're so busy doing stuff all the time. You can see on like Instagram, you're always traveling around. Yeah. I don't know whether people think the same thing and just assume that you have like a part hand in it. No, but you man. do all of it yourself. Yeah, that's man, amazing. this is my baby, yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, at the moment it's kind of tough, you know, managing time and making sure that, you know, I spend enough time in here. Um, but also, you know, I'm I'm out and about and I'm, you know, because I do a lot of collaborations with other brands, you know, over fashion, fitness and travel. So, mm-hmm. but we're all hustling out here, right? We're just yeah. trying to, we're trying to manage our time and just do the best we can. But yeah. I love the brand, but you know, I'm in a great place now with, with the people around me in this company and they're amazing and they're so committed and passionate and they really, really love the brand, which I would say is, you know, one of the most important things when you're setting up a company is the people around you, you know, they have to, they have to be on the same page obviously. And they've just got to have the the passion and the energy because that affects everyone around you. Yeah. I was listening to something the other day that was talking just about this around, who you surround yourself with, yeah. especially if you're the founder. Yeah, yeah No yeah. one's ever going to love it as much as you do. Yeah. But yeah, to yeah. find those people who are like pretty close is amazing. Yeah, dude, 100%. And that's not just in, in business, man, in life. Like, yeah. You look back when we're, we're younger and you have so many friends, right? So many friends. And a lot of these friends, you know, some may bring you down. Some might be a little negative. You will have cats in there who are super positive and they're bigging you up and and as you get older, you know, you, you start, your, your friendship groups gets tighter and yeah. tighter, right? Yeah. And, and now I find, you know, for me, man, I'm just all about being around super positive people, people who like, who push you to be better, yeah. you know, not just in, in work, but in life. And now, you know, I feel that's one of the great things about getting a bit older. You just, you build this insane little tight family yeah. and they are family, you know? Yeah, that's um, great, man. Yeah, so 100%. Yeah, do you know what? Because like, from looking at the things that you do and generally your demeanour, like you're so positive. Mm. All, like, I see you as like, quite high energy. Yeah. Obviously, that sounds like one of the ways that you maintain that. Like, How else do you yeah. keep positive? And I mean, um, do you ever have like off days? And if you do, how do you manage that? Yeah, man, I think we, you know, we all do. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I, I grew up with my mum in, in the countryside a couple hours south of, um, of London. And my mum's a super creative she's from sweden but she was a photographer designer and um i grew up in a pretty crazy household and our family wasn't that conventional you know and i remember as we all do as kids you know we go through emotions and insecurities and whatever it might be and i remember the one thing she always told me was no matter what be positive even in those moments when you're super sad and things are not going your way just flip it man you got to be positive you know, so, I mean, yes, I have down days. It's not like I'm burying. It's, I'm not saying it's a good thing to bury them, but at the same time, you need to just, you pick yourself up, right? You've got to be positive. You've got to get out there. Um, because as soon as you start letting these things get the better of you, you know, then you start, you'll be down, you start bringing everyone else down. Like, you've just got to be positive at all times, man. Yeah, is that like a, you feel it coming, you kind of catch it thing and you yeah. feel it? I mean, but, there, but like you say, there are things that help me to get over that. You know, fitness for me yeah. is, is a major part of that. You know, so I, I get up pretty early in the morning, sort of around 5, 5.30. And that, oh. that moment in the day when I go to the gym, that is the moment when I can really it's like my my own time yeah you know that's the one time that i'm not around a lot of people and you know burning those endorphins and you know sweating it out that for me 
my morning routine that's what kind of gets me going man and gets me buzzed for the day yeah um you know i always say to people you know people who you know maybe are going through a bit of a rut or or you know not sure i always say dude try if you can just to exercise you know it doesn't have to be crazy crazy amounts but just exercise man sweat it out burn the endorphins and you know it will get you in a higher mood you know mate i couldn't agree more yeah but i try and do as much as i can yeah didn't didn't get in there this morning i got my gym and get my bag i got in there but dude, you got the whole day man yeah 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 <laughs> you're all good <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so you mentioned your morning routine mm. what, what does it look like on a typical day and then if you could kind of follow up with what a typical week would look like for you sure i mean it's hard to kind of break it down into a typical typical week or day i mean what i was saying to someone yesterday actually one of the things that I love about what I do is every day is different. Mm. You know, I have super, I have so much respect for people who do a nine to five, yeah. right? Um, for me, I don't think I've, I've, that's ever been in me and I don't know if I ever could. Um, you know, I, mornings are usually always the same, if I can, unless I'm traveling or if I'm filming super early. So I usually get up around five, 5.30. I'll go to the gym. I'll do a sort of 45 to an hour. I then have a sauna, 15 minutes, sweat it out. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Every time, all the time. Um, I think that's my sweetest blood, man. Mum, you know, she loves saunas. Yeah. So I'm big in her saunas. Um, I, I, was, I was reading about saunas the other day, actually, about the, the importance or the impact that it can have on you, raising yeah. your, like, heart rate up to that yeah. level and just sweating it all out. Yeah. And just how it puts your body under that stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also that 15 minutes when I'm in there, that's when I'm kind of planning my day, you know, and just taking a time to meditate which is important, man, just to have that moment by yourself. What's that meditation look like? What do you do? Dude, I just, breathing, man, for me is big. I, I know you just commented on my new tattoo, yeah. which says breathe. Um, you know, there are two tattoos that I have which kind of help my mental state. One is that I have two pluses on my, my thumbs, and that's to remind me to always be positive. And I put them there because they're right there in, in my in my view right so if I'm ever down or if I'm crashing I look at those and it always reminds me mm-hmm. to pick myself up the other one is the one I just got here which is breathe love it um, and breathing obviously is super important without <laughs> without breathing we wouldn't be here um, but uh, yeah just taking deep long breaths and just fueling your body with that oxygen and just rela- and then breathing out so I try and do that in the sauna every morning I'll tell you what you would love is I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast. It's called transformational breathing. Right. Don't know if you ever heard of it before. No, but it sounds awesome. You would love it. Like so, it's basically it's a practice where you use a technique that you practice circular breathing. Right. So you breathe in real deep, mm-hmm. and then breathe out, and there's no pause, and you so you breathe back in again. So oh, over wow. time, if you start to do it five, ten, fifteen minutes, you're over oxygenating your body, and you go into like a state of transcendence. Wow. Okay, I need to try that. Yeah. Okay, maybe well, not in the sauna though. Maybe I was I was going to say in the sauna I'll probably pass out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do that 50 minutes and then I actually have um I jump in an ice cold plunge. Yeah. Yeah, um, nice. so that again is to do with blood flow and going from super high heat to the cold mm-hmm. and then I have an ice cold shower and that's me ready set ready for the day. And then um, my usual day you know would be in the in the office. Um, so at Serge HQ um, and you know our day-to-day routines kind of vary from designing to we do something called Surge Meets where we look for individuals who we can we can create content so do shoots but also it gives them an opportunity to talk about projects that they're doing so one of the things I always wanted the brand to, to do was act as a platform for young creatives mm-hmm. um, so give people an opportunity to talk about what they're doing 
and that could be anything from sort of from music from um, skating from tattooing whatever it might be because one of the major things for us is about building this creative community right like-minded individuals and we all come together and we help each other out and we collaborate and then obviously you know your marketing side of things you know customer service for us is huge obviously we've got a big team of us so it's about managing each and every one and then other thing obviously uh, every day is different it could be filming involved in there um it could be doing a photo shoot i try as much as i can to do one or two days a week outside of surge where i can create content whether that be video content for my social platforms or whether that be creating new stills um obviously i do a lot of collaborations with brands so sometimes you know i might have to travel go somewhere and and create content for someone or whatever it might be so i mean you know every week is different but one thing i can say within that week it will always be creative no doubt there'll always be some fitness in there and there's usually a bit of travel as well yeah i've been traveling a lot recently would that be like is that your favorite week then to have a bit of travel a bit of exercise a bit of content yeah man and then obviously you know hanging with my uh my fiance and my friends and family and stuff like that you know for me and my you know i think it's important yeah to to work and hustle but at the same time it's super important to spend time with your loved ones you know and just and switch off sometimes yeah so important because you know i think some people when you own your own brand it's super hard to switch off and i'm guilty of it sometimes you know and i think especially with with these bad boys our mobile phones it's a bit of a ball and chain you know it's always on us and we have the tendency sometimes to get sucked into it yeah you know with social media and and emails and everything that's going on so tuesday nights we have a rule where you're gonna leave your phone at the door really like that we have slipped on that a couple of times, but yeah, we're trying anyway. Um, so yeah, every week's different, man. Awesome. All right, mate. I love it. So, okay, to take it back to Surge then. Mm. So this podcast is about taking flight, about following your passion, mm. about taking that leap of faith in whatever Absolutely. it is that you want to do. So could you tell us the story of starting the business yeah, and kind of, I suppose, what led you to actually follow through on that yeah. passion? So yeah, like I said earlier, um, seven years it was that I set up Surge Deneem. When's, when's the birthday? Dude, we just had it on June the 1st. Yeah. So we actually did a neon collection. Um, I'm actually wearing one right now. Pink and, I. and on the back, you can see it says, oh, number. Yeah. we've got the number seven yeah. on the back. So we did a nice little capsule collection to honor our seventh year, um, which was super sweet. Crazy seven years, man. I can't believe it. So yeah, for me, ever since I was a kid, we were talking about it earlier, I was always a little unconventional in, in terms of the ways I was making money and I was always kind of going out and doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember at school, my dad put me in touch with one of his buddies and he made these shoes. They were like fake Gucci's. They were called Roddy's. Nice. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're really nice shoes, actually. I actually started buying these shoes off him. I yeah. used to buy, buy, buy like loads of these bad boys and I used to sell them at school. And I was like the shoe man at school. I was just like, and then it got to a point where I was selling shoes to like their parents and stuff. It was hilarious. Um, and everyone was walking around with these fake Gucci's. It was funny. And, and, you know, and then after that, I remember one year me and my buddy bought like a hundred Christmas trees and we had this, um, we had a storage unit up in Battersea and we put all these trees in there. And then we had his mum's Subaru car and we were chucking two or three trees in the back we were driving around London and just knocking on doors and selling trees. Just so random, right? But like, so we were all, you know, I was always trying to think outside of the box and do slightly different things. So like an entrepreneurial streak. Yeah, man. So, so I think since I was a kid, I always knew that I wanted to set up my own business, right? Where'd that come from? Was that from your parents? I think so, man. Yeah. But you know, my parents are super different. 
my mom is is very creative and she's always you know had her own businesses and she's so talented but i think the one thing she may have slightly lacked was her sort of entrepreneurial skills and that's where i think my dad kind of really really excels you know he used to own a restaurant here in chelsea uh, for like 35 years and then open a couple more thereafter so i kind of like to think that i've got my mum's creative side um, a little bit of my dad's entrepreneurial so yeah i think it kind of came from from the two of them and they i mean both of them had their own businesses right and i always looked up to them and you know i loved what they you know what they, what they were about and how, how they achieved their goals but you know i was very creative so i knew that you know whatever it might be whether it would be art or, or fashion or whatever i knew that i i had this like urge man that i just wanted to do it but it is, it goes back to what you're talking about there. It's about taking that leap of faith. You know, I think there are so many people out there who talk about stuff, right? And tell them, you know, tell you about the ideas and like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. But it's one thing talking about it. It's another thing actually doing it. And yeah, I guess it was when I was at Newcastle studying fine art. And, you know, I was there for four years. And obviously, you know, spending a lot of time in the, the studio and painting and, but during that time, I remember I was probably about two years in and I was thinking to myself, man, I just don't know if I could see myself doing this as a career. You know, being in a studio, painting by myself. And the worst is when you get like creative block and I just didn't know what to paint. And then I just got so consumed, it became so conceptual and I got so consumed in why, like even to a brushstroke, like why have I done that brushstroke? Mm. Whereas prior to that, I loved the process. For me, it was about the process not about the meaning it was about my expressions and like how I was reacting to certain things um so I kind of I got lost a little bit mate that's like life though isn't it? yeah man really? yeah dude yeah when you start questioning everything man yeah. you've got to enjoy the process of life you know and and react to things and you know your path will change and things will be different and maybe it's not the path you think you're going to end up but just go with the flow I think and it was during that time it's probably halfway through I, I started I started going to the vintage stores and I started buying all these clothes and I was painting on the clothes and I was customizing them and I was selling them to some of the guys in the uni basically and I was just loving it man I was like finally I was starting to love the process again mm-hmm. and um, and then while I was there I, I, you know I used to go down and visit my mum a lot and she uh, she did this book on Rio Carnival and it was called Carnival 78 and it was this incredible book all the images were from Rio Carnival her and her first husband, they went out there four years in a row and they created this freaking insane book. And this is when Carnival was out in the streets. You know, in Rio now, it's all in Sambadromes and stuff like this. And it was just raw and just like so energetic and these images were just like insane. And that book, I'd been looking at that book since I was a kid and I went to Brazil when I was 18, mainly because of that book. Uh, I went there for Carnival, had the most incredible time. And it wasn't until you know, four or five, you know, four years later, when I was visiting my mom and I was seeing it and I started looking at that book again, I was like, man, this book is just so sick. And I was like, these images are just, you know, and this is, you know, however many years later. And I was like, I want to do something with these images. And I'd, I'd been going to Portugal since I was a kid, this place called Porto in the north of Portugal. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine who I became very close with, he, um, he was in the fashion industry. He was creating his family, created a lot of clothes for some of these big companies. And I was thinking to myself, man, I just want to print some of these images on T-shirts. And it was when graphic tees, 
were super on trend. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was wearing these tees with these big images on. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, man, some of these images are cool, but the, the t-shirt doesn't feel good. And then there were some tees which were like super soft and nice, but the image wasn't good. And I was thinking, wow, well, I reckon with these these images, I could create just like the perfect tee. So like a super soft Pima cotton tee, but then with an image that's like so powerful, but like soft to touch, none of this hard, you know, yeah. four layers of print. And um, so I called my buddy. I was like, dude, I got these images. I really want to do something with them. And we started doing samples. You know, at this time, I didn't know what I was doing with that. I was just kind of going with the flow a little bit. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, create create some pieces and see how they looked. And, you know, we went through three, four months and finally got to this sample set. And they were just so tight. They were just like so soft and just like images were sweet. And then I was like, okay, hey, this is awesome. And I was like, okay, hey, maybe I can set something up here. Maybe I can, you know set up a brand, push it out with these tees and just see how it goes. And I then decided I wanted to build up a bit of a story. So I took those tees and I went with my buddy and we went back to Brazil. So it was like us taking these images from 1978, but taking them to 2000 and whenever it was, 2010. And um, some of these images, when my mum was out in Brazil, she was just going up to random Brazilians and giving them masks and like scar, all these different things and just taking photos of them. So we were like, let's go out there. My buddy was coming with, we had a camera, we had like one bag, plan was to go for like two, three weeks. We ended up staying for like two months. Really? And we basically just went up to people and got all these Brazilians wearing the t-shirts and I started a blog. So I was blogging every day, right? And um, this is all before TV. Yeah, 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 way before, man. And we were out there for like three months, and we were just getting these fucking amazing images. And people were like starting to follow the blog, and it was like creating a bit of a buzz and a, and a lifestyle, right? It wasn't just a product now; it was becoming something. And and it was it was so interesting because we were you know looking back at the past with these images, but then we were bringing it to the present. It was like a really nice connection. Yeah. And it was just, it just felt great, man. It was just like a really good feeling and, and people were loving the teas. The reaction was really good out there. So then I came back and I was like, okay, right, let's do something now. And I was trying to come up with a name. And, you know, this is, I was going into the unknown, obviously. And this is, talk, we're talking about this leap of faith. Yeah. You know, I didn't know anything like company house, like how to set up a brand, all yeah. this sort of stuff. And um, I was looking into the, well, I was like, what name? I was like, the name is so important. And I was thinking, when I think of fashion, what resonates with me, what's like really powerful and important. And for me, it's denim. Because when I was a kid, my mum had a denim company called Denim and Style. Our whole house is denim. Like, as in my bedroom is black denim wallpaper. I have really? a denim uh, slate um, bedboard, denim bean bags. My bathroom's blue denim. Like, the whole house is denim. No yeah, yeah, I even denimed my mum's car. She had a Fiat, <laughs> Fiat Cinquecento. I patchwork denimed the car, denimed the hubcaps. We used to cruise around Gloucester in this denim car. And when I was a kid, I was dressed in like quadruple denim. So denim is big in our family. So you don't have a problem with double denim? I ain't got no problem with that. Hey man, you can wear quadruple denim, just go for it. So I started looking into the origin of denim and went all the way back to its origin. And originally, the way the cotton is woven was coined serge. And it originated in Nîmes in France. So denim was originally called Serge de Nîmes of Nîmes, mm. then became du Nîmes, and now we know denim as denim. Yeah. So it's shortened down. So I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. So I set up, um, you know, set up the brand company house, trademarked the name, all this sort of stuff. And then um, 
and then I was like, right, I need to, you know, do create some sort of show or do whatever it might be. And a friend of mine who was running a club at the time, he was like, look, man, you can use my space. And I was like, okay. And I wanted to bring that Brazilian vibe. So I got all these Brazilian dancers and we had a whole Brazilian theme. I had these great models cruising down. And it was literally just 12 t-shirts, man. But it, it was like a buzz on the night. And there were loads of people there. And this one girl that I knew, I used to work at Ralph Lauren. Yeah. And um, one of the girls I met when I was working there, she was very good friends with the head bar at Harrods. And she was like, I'm going to bring him down. Like, I think these teas are great. I think they might, you know, they might like him. And he came and I had a chat with him afterwards. He's like, I love these teas, man. He was like, um, I want to buy them. I was like, whoa, dude. So two weeks later, I cruised down into the men's lab, you know, downstairs in Harrods. And, you know, for me, Harrods is a kid. I lived in Gloucester, but I used to come up to London all the time and, and spend time with my grandmother. And as a treat, she would always take me to Harrods. She'd maybe buy me one piece or something. So for me, like, that is big. And that was when I took it seriously. And I thought, wow, this could actually be something. I remember cruising downstairs and seeing my T-shirts amongst these amazing brands like Acne. And, you know, they're on the mannequins. And I was just like, oh, my God. How old are you at this point? I was, I was after Newcastle. I was at Newcastle for four years. So I must have been 23. Nice, man. So yeah, that was a crazy time, man. and that, that's that's when I really believed that it could become something. Mm-hmm. And then, phew, yeah, seven years have gone by. <laughs> I mean, it's been nuts, man. But yeah, that's how the whole thing really started. Amazing, mate. So, what would you say if you if you sort of looked back over the seven years, mm. if you had to pick one thing, what would be the key thing that led to the success and the longevity? <sighs> I mean, that's a tough one. You know, I mean, that, that moment there was pretty big. I'm not going to lie. That was the moment um, That was the moment where, you know, I think with all these things, when you, have, you need someone or something to have faith in you and mm. to, you know, there are so many creatives out there who are super talented and they may be creating something amazing. But unless they can get it out there, unless they've got a platform or unless they have someone who can help them or a way in which they can market it, you know, so much of that creative talent is lost, right? You know, and I was in that place where I had something that was like, how am I going to get it out there? Yeah. And, you know, that for me, that, that Harrods was definitely a big point. Another point, I can't deny it, was definitely going on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that wasn't that long after I set the brand up. That was probably maybe six months after. Really? Yeah, man. And, you know, the the opportunity came up and... I was so torn. I was like, oh, man, I remember it. It was a, a really how, crazy how time. How did the opportunity come up? You know, they, they were, you know, doing this show and they were looking for people in Chelsea and they just found a group of us. And we were all mates and all connected, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why it really worked because there was so much history between us and it was authentic because mm. we, they weren't just picking random people. And, I, you know, I was so torn and I'm, I'm pretty indecisive. It's definitely one of my downfalls. Yeah. And... Uh, I was just couldn't make up my mind and you know and on the one hand I was thinking you know this could be a great opportunity you know I'm in a place where I have a brand you know I don't have a huge amount of money you know I was I was sleeping at my uh, sister's place at the time I had 500 t-shirts that were all stored at my uh, my friend's mum's house back then we used to wrap the wrapping was so extreme and I used to go over to my friend's mum's place and I used to wrap them in this um logo uh, searched in the tissue paper it had these little stickers 
they used to seal the tissue paper and they said Serge Denim lived the dream underneath <laughs> and then I used to cut my mum's denim in little strips and I used to wrap it do a little bow put them in these boxes I used to write a personal note that was on these Rio Carnival postcards and send them out and I used to put them in a pack I used to cruise down to the post office so you know and I, I love that and I, I'm so glad that I did that whole process but the show came up and I was thinking this could be an amazing opportunity this could be I was talking about it earlier a platform mm-hmm. You know, it could give me that, you know, opportunity to really push it out there. Um, but then I was thinking, on the other hand, this could be really negative. I could come off like a, a complete beep hole. Um, and, you know, you can swear. And I, okay. And I wasn't sure how they would edit it. You know, it was yeah. again going into the unknown. And I think for me, in that moment, I thought to myself, you regret the things you don't do in life more than the things you do do. I, I try to stick through that. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things, if it didn't go to plan, it didn't go well, whatever, you can you can just quit it out and you can make amends, you know? But at least I would have tried it and known. Otherwise, I hate the thought of, you know, had I not done it, I would have looked back and been like, oh, what if, or, you know, how things would have changed. And, um, you know, thankfully... I came off pretty good, I think. <laughs> and um, that definitely had a, a major impact because, you know, it gave me a following. And through yeah. that following, I was able to, it wasn't a direct um, influence on the brand because I couldn't speak about the brand or anything like that on the show. But it was, um, it gave me an opportunity. It gave me a following yeah. whereby I could talk about the things I was doing. And so that definitely had an impact. Yeah, I mean, I've got two questions off the back of that. So firstly, do you feel in maybe like a weird kind of way that, the Harrods thing and the show was almost like a reward for you taking the risk in the first place. Maybe. And then the second question is, um, I think you come across great on the show. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. <laughs> of course. But like, you kind of do the whole like mediator. I don't get caught up in the gossip yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And from having that, like being that, I suppose character, but obviously it's just your personality. Yeah. What opportunities has that led to outside of the show? And then how do you start to steer and choose those opportunities? How, how do you need like, how do you know which is the right thing to do? In terms of in terms of work or I mean, probably more work, yeah. But like anyone who's approaching you and then saying like, We think this is a good opportunity for you. Yeah. I imagine you get a lot of those. Yeah, of course, man. Um you know, I think the what the most important thing you know, in 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 life is to be be yourself, obviously, and be authentic and real. And you know, when I went into the show I, I always said to myself, I'm not gonna get involved and all the gossip and all all of that for the sake of it yeah for the sake of airtime you know for me i said from the get-go i have to be myself um and in real life i'm not a gossip or anything like that i don't like getting involved in other people's business um so i guess that's why over time that became my role just because you know that's what i'm that's what i'm like in real life um you know and obviously having done the show a lot of opportunities came up and you know I think it, it was weird because it was such a whirlwind man like none of us knew what the reaction was going to be and it just went a bit crazy mm. um, you know and I think in, in, in those instances you could just really lose your mind and you could start saying yes to everything and you could just, just see the money right mm. and the one thing for me I had like a long term goal I knew where I wanted to get to and if you have that and you stick by it then you're able to look at things from afar. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I said no to more things than I said yes to. Yeah. 
you know, and I still stick by that, you know. For me, various, you know, the brands that I work with, they, I have to be able to relate to them. And also we go back to this whole influencer thing and I don't want to be pushing out products or talking about things that I don't believe in because yeah. then I'm, I'm almost selling a lie, right? It's like I'm pushing something to the people who look to me to maybe, you know, get influence on certain things or what they should do or whatever it might be. So that's always been since day one, man. I was, I was always like, I have to work with brands and do things that I believe in. Um, and then I will be able to reach my end goal because I'm not in it for a quick park. I'm in it for longevity. You yeah. Know? We're here for a long time. Yeah, man. We're here for a long time. Good time. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear how you build that vision, understand where it is that you're going. Mm. And then you spoke about being authentic. How do you stay true to that vision? How do you stay true to that vision? Do you know what, man? It's funny because we all have, well, hopefully we all have some sort of vision or some sort of plan or what we want to do. And things may change. And your, you know, over time, your creative may change, your vision may slightly change. But the most important thing is authenticity. For me, anyway, that's like, throughout my path, you know, fashion's always been my number one. You know, fitness is something that has really come into the game probably five years ago. And, you know, for me, fitness has been a major thing in terms of keeping my head in the game. Mm. And it ties in also with this whole sort of lifestyle thing with the travel as well. Like these are three things that are really, really important to me. So for me, sticking to my path, I look at these three things and I'm like, these are my focuses. And, you know, I'm trying to build a brand that has longevity and I want to be ideally respected within these three realms, mm. you know, and I want to be creating content that I freaking believe in yeah. content that, you know, I can, I can put out there and be proud of it. I don't want to just be creating content for the sake of it and working with brands for the sake of it. I want there to be a plan in place and to for there to be meaning behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, 100%, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So, again, talking about Surge, but also the stuff you've done outside and TV mm. and everything else that you've been involved in. Have you got any stories of either a failure or an obstacle which you've taken a big learning away from? I don't know if there's one in particular. I mean, I've made loads of mistakes along the way for sure. I mean, uh, that's how I've learned most of the things I've learned, learning from my mistakes. I'm trying to think if there's one in particular. Um, well, how do you even just deal with mistakes? like, And, and how do you remember the lessons yeah. over time? I mean, I think the important thing is that you don't have regrets. Like, don't regret things because I think if you regret things, you can really let them play on your mind. But I do think it's important, you know, we all make mistakes throughout our life. And I think it's maybe taking a step back, looking at that mistake, looking at the way in which it came about, why it came about, how you reacted, and just making sure that you learn from it and you don't do it again. Yeah. But, you know, with business, man, you know, I didn't study a business degree. I, you know, I studied, you know, I studied art. I was a painter. You know, I, I'm not a, a, you know, I'm not a businessman, but over time you know you make these mistakes and it makes you stronger and better and you that you just keep it's funny how when you go into the unknown it's like when i set up search i was like oh my god but it just happens man like over time like you meet people there are people around you and you just day by day man you're just out there and you're just getting it done yeah. it's, it's mad dude so i don't think you want to worry and think too much 
yes, it's important to take your time when you've got something, make sure that that model and that plan is perfect. And, you know, I think as a creative, sometimes we've got an idea like, oh, you just want to get it out there, right? You're so excited. Mm -hmm. Take time. But then also don't worry too much. Like, things will be sweet, man. Yeah. Everything will everything will work out. Yeah. Just like learn by doing. Trust the process. Exactly, man. Yeah. So, mate, we do the same three questions at the end of every episode. Mm. The reason we do that is so that listeners have got some tangible things to take away. They can incorporate into their lives straight away. So the first question of these three is, is there anything you've discovered recently come across that you're particularly excited about that people should look into themselves? Anything I'm really excited about. Is this in terms of like, in terms of like general life or is this like a, a could it be something tangible? Is this? It could be anything. I, I usually say it could be a exercise in the gym. It could be a book you've just read. It could be a oh, TV a, show. A that you're watching. It could be anything. Thing. Yeah. It could be a place you've just visited. It could be anything you're excited about. Okay. I'm big into food, man. We haven't even spoken about food right now. Let's do it. Um, have you seen Chef's Table? Uh, which one's that? The when they're trying oh, to get investment for? Dude, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, guys. If if you know, and it's not. You don't even just have to love food to watch this. It's so inspiring, and and aspirational. And the people on each episode are just incredible. Um, so it's a TV show called Chef's Table. It's on Netflix. Okay. It's like three seasons out, I think. And it's so beautifully shot as well. So aesthetically, it just looks insane. Each episode basically looks at a chef, but these guys are at the top of their game, right? And, you know, one could be this incredible place out in the middle of nowhere in Sweden. And so a lot of it is around, you know, the place itself, around the food, but a lot of it focuses on the individual. Like, where did, where did this idea come from? Like, mm. these guys you should get on this podcast because <laughs> these guys are crazy. Okay. But you watch it, man. You see how their, their mind works. And one, the food is incredible and you, you fall in love with that. But then you start to... You understand, like, in all, like, these people are so committed and passionate to what they're doing. I mean, it's like... It's unbelievable. And you watch it and you're just so consumed by it. Okay. So I would say watch that one from the point of view of the food and have these as places that maybe one day you want to go to. Yeah. I haven't been to any of them, but I would just love to travel and one, try the food and two, if it's even possible, meet you know some of these guys, guys yeah. and girls. Um, so yeah, watch Chef's, Chef's Table, man. Chef's Table, yeah, we'll we'll awesome. it. Side note, what's your favorite restaurant in London? Wow, good one. Favorite restaurant in London? It's tough. So tough. I mean, one that I really love at the moment is is called Foley's and it's just off um, Tottenham Court Road and it's such a couple couple buddies of mine who, who run the place and it's just got a great vibe it's kind of um, pan-Asian fusion yeah good and um, it's just really nice little dishes and a good vibe really great drinks and for me man when I go out and I, I socialise and I, I go to restaurants and stuff I like to have little dishes that you can all share yeah that's what yeah. I like man just little right. dishes so nice. yeah that's a good spot I okay. say get check that one out so the next one is, if you had to give a listener one piece of advice, something mm-hmm. that they could incorporate into a daily routine that's going to drive their performance forward, what would that one thing be? I would say give it your everything. You know, no matter what you're doing in life, whether it be uh, your work life, your, your family life, your fitness life, whatever piece of your day, just give it your everything. Mm. Be fully committed. 
you know, I think we only, you know, we only live once and that moment could be only once. So whatever it is, just give it everything. Yeah. I think whether you're each day, whether it's like in the Mm. gym or in a meeting on a phone call, whatever, if you're just trying your best in each one, man, you're getting better at it each day. Exactly. And also always treat people with respect. Mm -hmm. Everyone around you, whatever, you know, whatever environment that might be, because, um, it's super important, man. You've got to treat everyone with respect. Yeah, I was speaking with um, Chris Wiles, who was on the podcast the episode before this, who started Wolfpack Lager, the, the ex okay, yeah. Saracens rugby player, saying the same thing, whether it's like the mm. American term, but a janitor to the CEO. Uh, yeah, 100%. Give everyone time, man. Yeah. Give everyone time. So the final question, mate, is if you take yourself back to, let's say, seven years ago, mm. just about to start Surge, mm. there's two versions of yourself. Mm-hmm. What is the key differentiator between the version of Ollie who went on and had all the success that you've had to date versus the version of Ollie who might not have done all those things, mm. whether it's mindset or behavior, whatever it might be. What do you think the key differentiator is between those two versions? Between those two people? Yeah. Wow, man, that's big. You know, I often think to myself, I do think of this sometimes, like, have you seen the movie Sliding Doors? Yeah, mate, I was literally talking yeah, about this Yeah, dude, it's mad. So for anyone who's who's seen that movie um you should check it out it's with Gwyneth Paltrow and it it follows two parts of her life one life uh, one part where she she makes the tube and the other part where the doors close she doesn't make the tube obviously has to get the next one this tiny little thing changes the whole path of her life and it's insane right and I, I remember after watching that movie I was like really questioning everything like every moment and I was thinking oh my God, like I just, meeting you right now will change the rest of my life. Like us doing this now will actually change the rest of our life. Mm. We will go on a different path. Had I not been here right now, I may have been in somewhere else and whatever, whatever, all the different things that will happen after this are very different had I not been here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's mad, dude. So yeah, I often think and I look back and I'm like, imagine had I not set up my brand. Imagine, you know, had I not done the show. All these different things, man. And who knows who I would have been or what the path would have been. But I think the most important thing between those two people, the guy who did set it up and didn't, is just like believing in yourself, man, and like having faith. And, you know, we all go through doubt sometimes. We all get a little bit scared. But, man, just like enjoy it. And if you've got something that you really believe in and you freaking love it, then just go for it. But just remember when you do do it, it's 24-7. Give it everything. Mm. It goes back to what I was saying there, man. So yeah, I'm just glad that I'm that cat right now who did take that leap of faith. Yeah. And who knows where the other cat is right now. But I hope he's all good. <laughs> I hope he's having a good time. As long as he's positive and having a good time. Man, I love it, man. So good. Appreciate it, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Mate, not at all. It's been Enjoy. amazing. I'm, Thank uh, you so I'm much. looking forward to getting it out there. So, Definitely, um, man. Me too. Is there any way you want to direct people to go and check out? Yeah, man, for sure. So yeah, if anyone wants to check out um, Serge Janim, if you're looking for some cool garms, mm-hmm. if you're looking for some really dope jewelry, all solid silver, premium but affordable, guys and girls, go check out www.sergedanim.com. And if you want to check me out on the YouTube, we've got some fun things coming. Oliver Proudlock. If you want to check me on the gram, it's just Proudlock. Your baby.
So there it is, guys. Thanks again so much to Ollie for coming on and sharing his story. Such a good guy and so inspirational. So please go and support him. Go check out the new Surge Jewelry line and keep close to his socials. And thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, I'd love it if you could screenshot the episode, tag me and Ollie and let us know what you enjoyed and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes for the notifications of all upcoming episodes. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week and until next time, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.